1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join these two in holy matrimony. And it must be said that this is an unlikely union. Up until recently, they were bitter rivals engaged in ferocious competition. But as they say, love is like wildflowers. It is found in the most unlikely places. And so here we stand today before Rogers Communications and Shaw Communications to consecrate their blessed merger in the sight of God and the federal government. But before we get to the vows, I must ask that if anyone knows of any reason that these two should not be merged, speak now or forever hold your peace. Oh, oh wow. Okay. I'm seeing a lot of hands go up, uh... It seems, uh, hmm, oh, yeah, uh, okay, it appears that every single Canadian has raised their hands. Uh, I see over here on the right that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, who is that? Oh, the competition commissioner's raised his hand, and, I'm sorry, what, what is your objection? Oh, you think this new couple will be too powerful? Well, that, that is a strange thing to say, but I will certainly take note of it. And on the left over here, oh, is that the federal industry minister? Okay. Yes, he's trying to get my attention. What? What was that? You're okay with this merger as long as Shaw Communications sells its child Freedom Mobile to that Quebecois gentleman in the back. I will have to check the legalities of that, but I'm glad we're making some progress. Okay. For all the other objections, let's maybe uh, form a line over here, and uh, I'll, I'll take them one by one. Okay. Yes. Let's start with you, sir. What? What is it? Oh, you, you think your mobile bill will go up? Well, now that that's over, back to the show. I'm Archie Mann, and this, by the way, is Commons, a very serious show about serious issues. And there's nothing bigger or more serious today than the proposed merger between Rogers and Shaw. Here's where things stand. The Competition Bureau completely opposes the merger, full stop but the federal government has indicated that they would be okay with the merger on the primary condition that Shaw sells freedom to Quebec-based Videotron. And right now, Rogers and Shaw are fighting the Competition Bureau in the Competition Tribunal over whether or not this whole merger should go through. And if our history is any indication, this merger will go through, despite the fact that you'd be hard-pressed to find a single Canadian who's in favor of it. So how did we get to this point? where a merger as blatantly bad for Canadians as this one is likely to be approved. And why are our laws so weak when it comes to combating monopolies? Well, the truth is that this is how Canada has worked for a very long time. For 150 years, Canadian politicians have been talking out of both sides of their mouths. They claim that promoting competition and preventing massive corporations from taking advantage of their market power is a priority for them. And then they pass laws that do the opposite.
2: We are really trying to reverse a way of thinking that has been around since our founding. In the United States, there's a really good story about returning to a golden era of addressing concentrated power. My name is Keldon Bester. I'm a co-founder of the Canadian Anti-Monopoly Project, or CAMP. The Boston
1: Tea Party, one of the central events of the American Revolution, was a protest against the East India Company, which held a monopoly on tea. Here in Canada, the situation was very different. Not only were monopolies like the Hudson's Bay Company and the Canadian Pacific Railroad essential to the formation of the country, promoting big cartels was almost unofficial policy. The first Prime Minister, John A. Macdonald, introduced what he called the National Policy, which relied on heavy tariffs to keep out American products. And one consequence of that was the formation of dominant Canadian companies that had little incentive to compete. In 1912, a Canadian justice of the Supreme Court wrote that, quote, "...the whole business fabric of the country..." was founded upon the restraint of competition. But there were attempts to rein in big business. In fact, the first ever modern competition law was introduced in Canada in 1888. The only problem? It was entirely useless. There was only ever one prosecution under that law, and even that one ended in an acquittal. But Canadians were becoming incensed about increased corporate concentration opposition to what were then called trusts or combines, but what we today would call conglomerates was widespread. And so over the years, a succession of different so-called anti-combine bills were passed in Canada. And these were, to varying degrees, pretty goddamn useless. There were a handful of successful prosecutions over the years, and brief moments of serious enforcement, like in the late 30s and early 40s, but little of that was substantial. And even when regulators did try to intervene, it was rarely in the area of mergers.
2: Prior to 1986, merger law in Canada was criminal. So you had to prove like beyond a shadow of a doubt that these highly contested economic and legal questions were causing harm. There was never a successful merger case in the 75 years that that law was on the books.
1: And that's largely how it went until the 1980s, when the Mulroney government introduced the Competition Act. And that act is still the law today.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world and BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're, if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of of organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com/canadaland. Once again, it's betterhelp.com/canadaland.
1: So to understand why Rogers and Shaw are so confident that their merger will go through, this is the piece of legislation you have to understand. And so to help us with that, we're bringing back Vass Bednar, our friendly neighborhood competition expert that you heard from in episode one. So Vass, what is the Competition Act?
0: Well, we don't exactly share a birthday, but we're both established in 1986. So currently, currently we're in our mid-late 30s. Would now be a good time for me to read you the purpose statement of the Competition yeah, yeah, Act because I, I kind of said that's not consumer centric enough. Um, yeah, let's hear it. The Competition Act contains both criminal and civil provisions aimed at preventing anti competitive practices in the marketplace. Its purpose is to maintain and encourage competition Canada in order to promote the efficiency and adaptability of the Canadian economy, expand opportunities for Canadian participation in world markets, while at the same time recognizing the role of foreign competition in Canada ensuring that small and medium-sized enterprises have an equitable opportunity to participate in the Canadian economy. I spend a lot of time freaking out about that one. And providing consumers with competitive prices and product choice. So we get that price and choice aspect.
1: I find that interesting because as you were saying, so much of the defense of monopolistic behavior in this country comes down to this idea that we need to One, compete globally, and especially to protect our markets against American intruders. Whether you're looking at the Hudson's Bay Company 200 years ago, you're looking at supply management today, or even you're looking at telecom policy today. All the justification, if you talk to people who are proponents of the, of the way things are done, usually is like, well, if you, we don't do it this way, the Americans are going to come in and drive us out. And it seems like those ideas are reflected in the preamble to our main piece of competition legislation.
0: We have this economic policy instrument that is so often standalone or siloed. When you think about how our other kind of policy attitudes towards economic growth have changed, building back better... A kind of more inclusive economy or inclusive growth. It's not reflected at all in the Competition Act. In fact, many have pointed out they're now often at odds with those goals.
1: Now, if there's one part of our competition laws that gets criticized the most, it's probably the efficiencies defense. Tell me about that.
0: I often refer to it as the get out of jail card or a trump card that we've built into our legislation because the efficiencies defense says if two firms, two or more, I guess, that are proposing to merge can demonstrate even if their merger is going to lead to excessive concentration or have, quote unquote, irreparable harm, that if they can demonstrate there are efficiencies that are gained through this, often that comes actually through layoffs.
1: We, we know what efficiency. <laughs> you know what the means. code is, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> then we allow the merger to go through. And it's very perplexing. The Roger Shaw merger that's been making headlines and I think quite captivating to people because it has implications for their everyday lives that they can feel and sort of sense seems to hinge on that defense. But what's interesting about it is it's one thing to argue the efficiency defense to the competition tribunal or the competition commissioner uh, with a bunch of lawyers. It's a very different activity to try to rationalize that to the public. And I think intuitively we're seeing people pushing back and saying, what do you mean we're going to permit? these kinds of mergers, something seems off. This isn't passing the smell test.
1: It just seems like it totally undermines the entire kind of basis for competition policy in general. Like it, what the efficiencies defense clearly seems to state is if the a merger is good for shareholders, it doesn't matter the harms it does to the public. And that's the entire point of competition policy is to protect the public from what might benefit companies and their shareholders. I think what
0: you're hitting on is that people have an expectation that we have a consumer-centric competition act and that that consumer lens or consumer protection lens is more embedded than
1: it probably is. And then there's the issue of resources. Keldon Bester used to work at the Competition Bureau. That's Canada's competition regulator and law enforcement agency. So I asked him, does the agency have the resources
2: it needs to do its job? Absolutely not. Canada's got a $2 trillion economy. The scope of the Competition Act is all markets in Canada at any time. In the States, you have not only the Federal Trade Commission, you have not only the Department of Justice Antitrust Division, but you have 50 attorneys general who have, you know, responsibility for both federal and their own state antitrust laws. And you have a, you know, quite active private bar for individuals and corporations to bring antitrust cases. And so what I think those all represent, among other things, is eyes on the ground of a, you know an immense and complex economy. But at the same time, you know, a single organization can really only have so many boots on the ground. And I think beyond resourcing, very important, we need a more distributed system of enforcing our competition law. But even when
1: the Competition Bureau determines that a merger shouldn't go through, they can't actually stop it. They have to argue in front of a body called the Competition Tribunal. The Competition Tribunal is basically our competition court. It's made up of judges, economists, and corporate directors, and historically, it's been pretty friendly towards potential mergers. If the Competition Tribunal determines that a merger would indeed be anti-competitive, there's a few courses it can take. First up, The companies could just use that efficiencies defense. So, if the money the companies would save from the merger outweighs the negative effects to the public, well, that's just too bad for Canadians. Merger approved. One of the most common solutions that the competition tribunal proposes is divestiture. So, in the case of Rogers and Shaw, that would mean they just sell off Freedom Mobile and then we have no problem. But there's one very simple, very easy solution that's almost never recommended.
2: In our competition law, and this is the case in other countries as well, we like to try to do very clever and complicated things to solve the problem instead of the very simple and effective thing, which is, you know, just say no. Just
1: say no. And that's actually what the Competition Bureau is arguing should happen for Rogers Shaw.
2: Just don't let them do it. Roger Shaw is pretty apocalyptic. This is a national merger involving a Maverick player in a market where we know we get some of the world's worst price outcomes. So to not come out strongly against this would be, you know, truly depressing. So the fact that they've come out strong is, let me be clear, fantastic. And and the way that they've approached it, I think from my perspective is, is the right way to do it. But if they weren't to have done that, it would be like, you know, how much lower can we go, really? I applaud them for what they're doing, but it's about to run into a administrative body and a body of law that, that doesn't want a simple and effective solution. And the Competition Bureau faces other
1: challenges, too.
0: Their toolkit is a little bit weak. So their ability to do something called a market study, to compel the information that they need, they just don't really have it. And we see peer jurisdictions that are able to do this. So... Not only is the evidentiary burden on the Bureau really high, but it's also really hard for them to get that information. And we also take a very kind of deep econometric approach, which also underpins the efficiency defense. So we're expecting a regulator to do very complex mathematics on the essentially the back of a napkin sometimes, eyeballing and, and ballparking things because they can't compel the right information. I think the Bureau does a great job with the resources that it has. But we could do more to empower them to achieve better and arguably faster outcomes for Canadians on some of the cases they have.
1: The current competition commissioner is a guy named Matthew Boswell. So I asked Vass how she thinks he's doing. What do you make of Matthew Boswell, the the competition commissioner?
0: I'm a big Boswell fan. I don't don't hide that. He seems very professional and fair-minded. He speaks really well. He's a great ambassador for the Bureau. He's had a great tenure there. The Bureau put forward, I think, one of the most revolutionary pieces of of policy writing I've seen in a long time.
1: The document that Vass is talking about here was a set of recommendations that the Competition Bureau made about how the law could be changed to help improve antitrust enforcement in Canada.
0: The reason I'm so fascinated by their submission is not because I lack hobbies and friends, Arshi, because it was an example, it is an example of the enforcer going on the record and saying, given our enforcement experience and the tools that we currently have, these are our best possible recommendations on how we can improve the policy and the law, frankly, so that we can do a better job. And that is a North Star document for me in terms of who we also need to listen to if our enforcers and the experts we've trusted with the vigilance and oversight of this law are speaking out and up and saying, these are our perspectives on what needs to change. That's really, really, really important.
1: And just last month, the federal government has finally begun a long-promised consultation on possibly overhauling the Competition Act for the first time in three decades. When we
0: have that review, I want to hear more stories from small businesses and entrepreneurs about their experiences, both, you know, in an analog but also a digital economy. I'd like to see more civil society and consumer perspectives. I'd like to see more from unions, you know, the labor implications of competition, wage fixing, you know, NDAs, whatever.
1: You know, I find it a bit ironic that the Rogers-Shaw merger debacle is happening right now because we're actually in a bit of a global antitrust moment. For the first time in decades, opposition to monopolies and corporate concentration is on the ascendance. Take the U.S., for example. In the
0: U.S., where we're used to seeing both state-led and federal antitrust suits. So one would or could imagine Canada, with our history of federalism, taking a more collaborative or integrated approach where we could see a little bit more experimentation across from provinces or just more collaboration. The other thing we see, and this is more of a shout out to the United States, the recent Biden executive order, recent, it was last spring taking an all-of-government approach to competition policy.
1: The Biden administration has made antitrust one of the central pillars of their economic and law enforcement agenda. We can have a debate about to what extent it's actually been successful, but it's clear that this approach is totally different from what we see here in Canada. And the same trends apply to Europe. VAS is hoping that the review of the Competition Act could lead to a similar antitrust moment in Canada, both within the government and from the public?
0: I like the all-of-government approach, and that could be different orders of government as well. So there's a best practice from the OECD called competition assessments that the Bureau has actually recommended that we don't do yet. It's kind of like the gender-based analysis of competition. So every time we announce a new major public policy, there's a component of that evaluation that just acknowledges and evaluates what it means for competition. That's actually a really good way to keep competition top of mind. We also need, of course, better and more research, more storytelling. We're starting to get it now in this inflationary period. And I'm very grateful to to journalists that are taking these data-driven approach and, and helping us have these conversations. But in terms of what everyday people should do, I mean, unfortunately, the barrier to entry on this conversation is way too high. And it's been too high for way too long. And that barrier to entry staying high has privileges for those corporate interests that I think come at the expense of consumers for so long. If you can listen to a podcast about monopoly, you can put some ideas forward to the Bureau, it could be an email, and just be part of this and help us make it better.
1: But one thing that Vast thinks is necessary for change to happen is for the politicians to really take interest. That review of the Competition Act has begun, but still, few people on Parliament Hill have made fighting corporate concentration one of their main causes.
0: I sometimes joke that there's no one really to antitrust in Canada. We don't have that dedicated political champion emerging just yet, and they can be somebody who comes forward from outside of politics. I'm not saying it's me, but Canada does not have a Klobuchar. And we don't have a person who's in elected office. We have a couple of people who are dabbling and and have been really consistent in the space. But that lack of sustained political championship for competition reform, that also hurts us too. And I think it's really hard to contest Canada's tendency
1: toward consolidation in so many sectors. We love the merge.
0: The urge to merge.
1: So with the politicians still taking a back seat, Right now, Canada's most prominent figure on these issues is the top competition cop, Matthew Boswell, the head of the Competition Bureau. So what does he think of the Rogers-Shaw merger? About the changes that need to come to our competition laws? And about whether or not there's something distinct about Canada that lends us to so much monopoly? Well, we decided to get him into our studio and ask him ourselves. That's next time on Commons. That's your episode of Commons. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This episode relied on work done by Vast Bednar, Keldon Bester, Brian Sheffins, and many others. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CommonsPod. You can also email me, arshi at canadaland.com. This episode was produced by me and Jordan Cornish, with additional production by Noor Azria. Our production coordinator is Andre Proulx, and our music is by Nathan Burley. You can listen to Common's ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. And as a supporter, you'll get premium access to all our shows ad-free, including early releases and bonus content. And you'll get our exclusive newsletter, discounts on Canada Land merch, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events, and more than anything, You'll be a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis, and you'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Come join us now. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join.